Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for April 6, 2014. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jacks Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon is entitled, Southern Hospitality and the Lesson of the Old Fool. I love the South, and I love being a Southerner. Despite the stereotypes, um, many of which are true, I still cannot imagine a better place to live, a better place in the whole world. I love Southern English, even though our refusal to speak it correctly might eventually spell the demise of our otherwise beautiful tongue. I love Southern traditions. I love the enthusiasm of Southern religion. I love Southern cooking. Could there really be anything better than biscuits and sausage gravy, or turnip greens, or a fried pork chop? But the best reason to be grateful to have been born in the South, without a doubt, is Southern hospitality. Are people friendlier anywhere in the whole world If you were to ask that on the street, somebody might answer with a question, does a squirrel have a climbing gear? Is a bullfrog waterproof? I love walking through the mall or getting on an elevator or just driving down the road. Everybody waves. Hey, y'all, how you doing? Good to see you. But anyone who has even a drop of southern hospitality in her veins knows there's another angle to our friendliness. Bless her heart. (laughs) Apparently, I don't need to say any more. The American South may be the only place on the globe you can truly hate someone, though we would never use that word and still treat them like your very best friend when you meet them unexpectedly. Oh, hey, it's good to see you. How are you doing? You know what I'm talking about. If we are honest enough, we might ask how it could be otherwise, this southern disposition we have, having formed it in a culture of inhumane racism and pretentious chauvinism. Most most Southerners were at least superficially nice to the human beings they owned as property. Southern hospitality, though mostly as sweet and genuine as a jar of scuppernong jelly, can also be as superficial as lipstick on a pig. Hospitality which is foundational to the biblical story, is not Southern hospitality. It is not one part kind, three parts shine. It's genuine welcome. Open minds, open hearts, open homes, through and through. The question for us today is, are we actually hospitable? or just Southern. Biblical hospitality is more than a sweet smile and a hey y'all, even when that's offered in the most sincere way. Biblical hospitality takes us out of our comfort zone. 
A group studying on Wednesday night had this to say about their topic of welcome. To make another person feel welcome means you have to give a bit of yourself away. Take a chance. Forfeit the risk to your ego and be open to things out of your control. Take a chance. Welcome. True hospitality refuses to acknowledge that there is any home territory. They say, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, and false southern hospitality may begin out of that very kind of understanding, you know, a way of saying, you're welcome here, but only as long as you remember where you are. You're welcome here, but only as long as you do as we do. You're welcome here, only as you begin to think like we think. In their much-quoted book of the same title, Will Willimon and Stanley Hauerwas remind Christians that we should understand ourselves to be resident aliens. Our citizenship is not of this world. Our values are not finally, ultimately, American values. The story the Bible dares us accept as our own is the story of the sojourner passing through foreign territory on the way to promised land. Our biblical ancestors were immigrants. Abraham left the land of Ur and he didn't know where he was going. Moses led the people on a journey through the wilderness. Mary and Joseph took baby Jesus and immigrated to Egypt, fleeing the persecution of Herod. The disciples of Jesus were sent out like lambs amidst wolves and were told, take no bag, no purse, no sandals. Jesus sent them to be dependent upon the generosity of strangers. Now these are not stories that we are invited just to learn as part of our history. They are stories which invite us into them. This is the basic framework of the life of faith. We are sojourners. We are aliens, foreigners. And just as God has welcomed us, so we must welcome the immigrants among us. If any country ever had a right to a nationalistic understanding, to be defensive of borders and customs, of protecting what was rightfully theirs, it is Israel. But even in the biblical heyday of Israel's sovereignty, the immigrant was given special attention. It wasn't just about Israel and Israel's people. The Bible instructed Israel how they were to care for the immigrant The emphasis is found throughout the Bible. We are to love those who are immigrants, for we were immigrants. Immigrants were to be paid proper wages. Not always so with our immigrants. Judges were warned against treating them unfairly. The nation was not to have a different set of rules for the citizen and the immigrant. 
In the heated battle that immigration has become, American Christians, I'm speaking to American Christians, would do well to remember our own past. We too were immigrants. We all come from somewhere else, literally, but more important than our geographic heritage is the heritage of our faith. Living with an immigrant's attitude is humble ground. A reminder that we all owe much of our success to someone else, and that reminder is a good place to begin as we form a political stance and advocate policies of action. Scott Wright works with immigrants. He hears their stories. He feels their pain. On President's Day, he went to Washington to protest the administration that has deported more immigrants than any other, nearly two million. As he prepared for that day, he said, every time I hear about another death in the Arizona desert or massive deportations, I think about Emra Lazarus's words on the Statue of Liberty. They're printed on the front cover of your bulletin. What meaning do they have for us today? And what moral obligation do they impose upon our conscience? Every day an immigrant dies in the desert. And every day, 1,100 immigrants are deported. That's more than 365 deaths and 400,000 deportations every year. But more important than numbers are these people's lives and their stories. He says, I remember the young pregnant Salvadoran woman who had been raped, who had been raped on her journey north, and the fear of being undocumented etched in her eyes and in her shy demeanor. I remember Sarah and Saba from Ethiopia survivors of torture and an incredible journey of being trafficked through a dozen countries only to be shackled and detained for months in a private detention center in Florence, Arizona. I remember Anna and Noemi who had survived a two-day journey riding atop the trains from the Guatemalan border Many fall victim to the abuse of gangs and cartels and police. It's called El Tren de la Muerta, the train of death. Traumatized and exhausted, they were on the way to Boston to reunite with their families. I remember the children whose parents were deported, reading the letters they had written and would deliver to Congress. What does a member of Congress say to a nine-year-old whose mother has been taken away from her. I remember meeting a frightened middle-aged man from Mexico who had been kidnapped by the drug cartel and was in detention. They, held, told, they told him he had to run drugs across the border or they would kill his family. And I remember hearing about unaccompanied minors, children in detention in El Paso, Texas, the number this year may reach more than 70,000. Many come looking for their parents, and they draw the same sad pictures I remember from the refugee camps 
in El Salvador. Stories of real people like you and me who crossed the borders for the same reason you and I would if we were in their shoes. Just recently, I was in a meeting about our ongoing immigration debate, and I left that meeting basically just embarrassed. Again, I'm talking to Christians about Christian response. I understand this issue is complicated. I know I don't live in a border state. But I left that day embarrassed that in the heat of this debate, there is not a clear, unifying Christian voice in this country, a voice that cries out, even as we debate national policy, to say that the immigrant is welcome. That's the voice of the faithful. No matter your reasons, no matter your motives, no matter your circumstances, you are welcome because we too were immigrants. Our calling is to offer warmth and kindness and hospitality. You are a child of God. Can you tell me that Jesus would have us say anything less? 1,400 years ago, Benedict of Nursia established a dozen communities for monks in Subiaco, Italy. Those monasteries followed the rule of Benedict, which outlined the precepts for communal living and has been the guide for monastic life for 14 centuries. One of the rules of Benedict regards the visit of a stranger. All guests who present themselves are to be welcomed as Christ. All guests who present themselves are to be welcomed as Christ. Kathleen Norris tells of a monastery in the Midwest where a man sits at the front door every single day. The man is in a wheelchair. He would not know Benedict if Benedict walked through the door. He doesn't know any of the guests who pass him there either. The fact is, he doesn't even know his own name anymore. But he sits there to greet visitors, every one of them. He offers no judgment, no superficial southern charm, just the generosity of hospitality which this man, whom Norris calls an old fool, learned through a life of service in that monastery, a life of service to the rule. All guests who present themselves are to be welcomed as Christ. The best of what I know about Southern hospitality and the lesson of an old fool would change the debate about immigration in this country forever. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening today. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, 
and interfaith understanding. Grace and peace to you.